This podcast is presented by Pacific Office Automation, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals, and your one-stop shop for optimizing all your office technology. Visit PacificOffice.com. Problem solved. Is it caught? Is it caught? Oh my goodness, it's caught! DeAndre Hopkins caught it! He caught it for a touchdown! You've got to be joking me! Welcome to Cardinals Underground, presented by Pacific Office Automation. Visit PacificOffice.com. Problem solved. Touchdown, Kyler Murray. That defender is in multiple pieces. Oh, that was nasty right there, right? The latest news and notes from the guys who cover the team. Drilled by Simmons. Isaiah Simmons is balling. Bring it on, bring it on. Slammed to the ground by Buda Baker. Like a torpedo, he came flying into the backfield. I ain't scared of nobody. Here's Paul Calvisi. Right, if I say AI. What do you think of? This might be revealing in more ways than one because Felipe Corral Jr., uh, you were probably in diapers when the original AI was around because I'm not talking about artificial intelligence right here, right now. I'm talking, Darren, about you hoopaholic. Who am I talking about? Alan Iverson. That's right. Because I thought I'd bring that up off the top because, among other things, we are going to be talking about practice. (laughs) Not just the game. Not yet talking about practice and a sighting of J.J. Watt that is reportedly scheduled for later this week. Cardinals Underground brought to you by Pacific Office Automation, Paul Calvisi, Paulie Podcast, Darren Urban, and Felipe, the floor is yours. J.J. Watt, tick tock. What do you think about that? Can I just point out that I honestly, the first thing that came to my mind was Allen Iverson. I just want to clarify that because okay. throughout the throughout the year, you know, I've been slacking on on certain yeah, we have, uh, certain we have names. Gotten so, on your case. So uh, I just want to slacking. I have a 15 year old slacker at home, and I'm telling him AI is the future, as in artificial intelligence. Start cracking on the AI because that is going to be your future. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Felipe, because I forgot you are a high school hoops legend. So of course you were thinking Iverson. Yes, yeah, so, and a lot of my first like exposure to the NBA was that the NBA Finals matchup with the Lakers and, and the Sixers. So I do I do know who AI is, and you know, uh, uh, but. To your point about J.J. Watt, I mean, a lot of the statistical categories on the defensive side have, you know, been exposed since J.J. Watt, you know, went out with that injury, you know, points per game, total QBR by the opposing quarterback, things like that. You know, that that's what comes to my mind. That's why if he does happen to play, even if it's on a limited basis, it's a good thing. You know, now he can go back to – you know, two safety looks. Now you don't have to overcompensate for not having J.J. Watt on that defensive line. Now Chandler Jones frees up a little bit more because you've seen that, you know, the double offensive line look on Chandler Jones in the past couple, well, since J.J. Watt went out. So when it comes to J.J. Watt being back on the field, that's what comes to mind. Now you can play a little bit more nickel in that defensive scheme. Now you don't have to blitz as much. Now you don't have to bring down Buddha Baker into the box, and Buddha can go back to doing what Buddha does best. So when it comes to J.J. Watt, that's what comes to my mind. Because you think about it. Week six at the Browns, J.J. Watt, a sack, five tackles, a forced fumble, two quarterback hits, a pass defensed. The week before that, at the Niners, slugfest win at the 49ers, right? And you had J.J. Watt, three tackles, two tackles for loss, three quarterback hits. He had six pressures. That was his first big game, the home game against the 49ers. Yeah. For and sure. you're right, that was at home. And yeah. then he had that uh, that pass deflected on the big fourth down, got his mid up there. At the, so 
It took him a couple of games, mm-hmm. and but by the end of the first month, he was a force. What's realistic, though, when he's missed two and a half months? I know he's exceeded everyone's timetable. For any human being, he's he's exceeded the timetable. But so, what's realistic in terms of his production? So uh, let, let's just clarify this, Paul, because I feel like you're dropping news without dropping any news. You are convinced he's playing this week. No, not me personally, but it seems like every single media report has him playing this week, has him tracking towards that Monday See, night playoff game. the tracking part is what bothers me about that uh, because, uh, you know, I it's going to be very interesting to see how it goes this week. I mean, will we – Will I mean, okay, here's the deal. He's still on IR. He's He's got the, the, the window open to come back. So, in theory, I mean, he will not show up on the injury report all week. So in theory, if you basically hide him in in the building until the media has to go in every day, because we only get to watch the very beginning of practice with stretching and little individual drills, you could not have the media see him at all and say there's no J.J. Watt of practice and still bring him out and work him out every day. Or he might not be at practice. Like they, they brought him off the practice uh, they opened the window on Friday. He wasn't out there, at least when we were out there. Um, and I'm just wondering how much of this is gamesmanship, how much of it is gamesmanship because he's going to play, how much of it is, is it gamesmanship, and he probably won't play, but we're going to we're gonna make the Rams think about it. I'm, I'm really curious, but I, getting back to your original point, Paul, for me, um, I think it would be huge, uh, Willis Reed-esque, if he's able to come out there for those of us who are 50. And, uh, and, and, and at least give that kind of boost. I, I doubt that he would be in a situation where he would try and put on the uniform and only be able to play two two series or five snaps like Willis Reed played his two minutes back in the day. But I, I would think he's going to be able to do more than that if he plays. But I, I don't see him coming out and having a San Francisco type of game. I mean, that's right. that's not realistic. That's not fair to him. Maybe he does. And then the the legend of J.J. Watt only grows larger. Well, and then there's the boost. There's the emotional lift he he would give a team if he's actually in uniform and he's out there. They have their 99, the Rams. You have your number 99. And if the Cardinals don't have 99, J.J. Watt, maybe they can sign that 99 off the Georgia defensive line. Is that possible? Oh, my goodness, is that dude a prospect? Are you kidding me? But that's neither here nor there. We'll wait to April in the draft until that guy uh, comes up. But think about it. It's just sometimes the, the vacuum of information is revealing, is it not, in some regards? For example, when Zach Allen says, uh, yeah, I've been told to stifle myself. I've been told to uh, shut it, okay? Silencio, Zach Allen. So, okay, where exactly and what exactly does this all mean and, and where this thing is tracking, I guess, is the question. I mean, do you think he, he'll play? Like, do you, if he does play, do you think – Yeah, we're think, asking your opinion now, Paul. Do, I don't want to hear about Do you think he'll sources. be effective? I've come around on this. As someone who recently partially tore his labrum and his rotator cuff less than two years ago, I said no stinking bleeping way he comes back from a torn rotator cuff and labrum in two and a half months to go hand-in-hand combat against 300-pounders. There's no – but the way he supposedly uh, is tracking right now, and, and would there really be all this, all this hullabaloo if he's going – to then just not be activated out of that practice well, window? Well, I mean, no. I, I just – so at this point I've come around a little bit on it. 
Um, we'll see. I'm a little dubious as to how effective he might be if he is in uniform and he is in the trenches. All of a sudden, it's playoff football. But obviously, he has his playoff experience. Yeah. And, you know, three-time NFL defensive player of the year. If anyone's going to exceed expectations, it's him. I, I will say this. I think for me at this point, um, I, I'm taking – if I'm the Cardinals, I'm taking whatever positive – vibes I can get at this point after the last month uh, after what happened against the Seahawks uh, anything to be able to, to pump me up and that includes J.J. Watt walking out of that tunnel in, in a uniform I would take yeah. it and you know what both teams are looking for a little bit of an emotional lift are they not I, I was semi-joking that you know, you're going to LA right the land of cosmetic surgery these are two teams that, based on how the season ended for both teams in Week 18, they should be featured on an upcoming episode of Botched. <laughs> right? I mean, think about it. The Cardinals blew their chance. They had a chance. The Rams most definitely blew their chance. I mean, they came out there and they knew they win and they're division champs. And they still came out and blew a 17 nothing lead. That was a game botched for their sixth straight loss to Kyle Shanahan and the Niners. And you know where – you know, my eyes, my eyebrows were raised when I saw Sean McVay celebrating in the end zone with Tyler Higby and I think Cooper Cup. That's when I said, all right, something's about to go down and it's not going to necessarily favor the Rams because you don't necessarily see a head coach celebrating in the end zone with, with certain players, right? So Actually, you've seen him before. He He's done it before, right? Yeah. Well, him. Well, yeah. He's been like the only head coach yeah. that I've seen, you know, right. so – in fact, I think it was right before the Cardinals played him in week four, if memory serves, Deshaun Jackson at a 75-yard dagger, and it was in week three, and he ran all the way down the field and yeah. celebrated with Deshaun Jackson, and the referees warned him. You know, And then he joked afterwards, I pulled both hamstrings. Well, it was week three, because so I, I remember Paul talking about it on the podcast, because yes. the next week the yes. Cardinals played the Rams. That's right. And so if it isn't Coach Double Rainbow, right, and warming up with the old noodle before every game, and once again he comes down to Arizona and does what he does best. He somehow manufactures and engineers a win, Pete Carroll. Now you got Sean McVay. So – and by the way, a quick side note on the J.J. Watt. When I say about all the hullabaloo, you know, just everything going on, our Jim Omohundro pointing out about how J.J. Watt himself has been feeding the hype machine with the tweets, right, with sort of the cryptic tweets. Yeah, like, but see, here's the like problem. what's coming, Here's the dot, problem dot, with all dot. that stuff. The problem is, is he can't how, – how, how dare he supposedly say to Zach Allen, shut your mouth, and then he, he puts out the tweets. Come on, J.J., that's not fair. That's true. Uh, again. Let me control the flow of information. Yeah. Uh, look, I'm not saying he's not coming back. I, I have no doubt he's working his butt off to come back. And I'm not saying it can't happen. But we're also, you know, wondering, you know, Jordan Phillips is another good example. <laughs> much, much less hype with Jordan Phillips of whether yes. he comes back or not. But, you know, three weeks ago, somebody asked if Jordan Phillips would be back before the end of the regular season. Cliff said, I expect that. Didn't happen. Then last week it was Jordan Phillips will be back, but I don't know if it'll be this week or if it, we would have to win a playoff game. So, uh, you know, I, I just I think with the injury stuff, it's all very hard to tell. You know, it's hard to tell at this point if it's going to be J.J. Watt. Uh, you know, is, is this going to be a Justin Murray situation who Justin Murray had his window open, too, and he never came off the list. And, you know, that came and went. Um, and you just don't know. So... Are you saying that we really should be talking about which DBs are back, that that's the more pressing issue? Or running back? Or running back, absolutely. I mean, honestly, if we're, we're talking about that Seattle game, can I say, and are you guys going to give me a straight look if I say, you know what, 
the moment the Cardinals lost Kevin Peterson, they lost that Seattle Seahawks game because it trickled down yeah. in that secondary. And and Russell Wilson find, found Tyler Lockett twice against Breon Borders, and then Freddie Swain gets wide open, incomprehensibly, some sort of coverage breakdown. I don't know if that's directly related to the lack of cornerbacks, but what did Vance Joseph say after the Dallas game? He said the reason they were able to put that performance on, minus some of the regulars in Big D, is because they had guys who may not have been the most talented, guys who didn't even make the final 53, but guys who knew the system. Kevin Peterson, Tanner Vallejos, the Joe Walkers, guys you can plug in and you can still have a dynamic, diverse defense and still have every play call at the disposal of the defensive coordinator, which when Breon Borders went in there, I'm presuming you definitely did not. And there were coverage breakdowns everywhere. You're going to struggle if you're playing your sixth cornerback. Your sixth cornerback, who, by the way, didn't come in until two-thirds of the way through the season. There you go. So I think the bigger question, as great it was, it would be J.J. Watt posting on Twitter and Instagram, and you can look at it yourself, and you can make your own judgment. It's sort of like an ink block test, okay? You can make your own judgment as to what you think about J.J. Watt's cryptic social media posts. But if you're thinking, what's going to have a bigger impact on how sound the Cardinals' defense is against Sean McVay? And let's not forget, last time they played him on Monday night, there were open receivers everywhere. I mean, they had Cooper Cup. I think the analytics were in seven different positions in the offense at starting points when they snapped the ball. So McVay did a masterful job of getting guys open, and that scares me, Felipe, as much as anything going into this game. How buttoned up are the Cardinals in their secondary? And that's why, given how thin you are in that secondary, that's why the return of J.J. Watt would mean a lot in sure. that regard. Pressure because on now, Stafford. Exactly, yep. because – I mean, this Cardinals defense, well, the defensive line, the pass rush, it's in the bottom half in almost every statistical category. They have 21 sacks this season. I think that's like 27th in the NFL. So now you can go back to a standard pass rush. Now you can, you know, rush with four fewer defensive linemen and, and outside linebackers. And now you don't have to necessarily overcompensate. Now, like I mentioned, now you won't see Buda Baker in the box. Now you can have a two-safety look in, in that secondary to support guys like Breon Borders. And hopefully, hopefully, who's the other guy that designed that was Bre with the Vikings? Brashad Breland. Hopefully he, he, he – I'm guessing he'll be up. And that would help him as much as he struggled with the Vikings, you know. Will it help them, though? I mean, again, part of what you're worried about with Breon Borders is he just wasn't sure of what he was supposed to be doing half the time because he's so new. And Breland has been here less time. I mean, that's that's the thing that kind of – And you know what? If you go back to the Monday night game, they targeted Marco Wilson twice, if you remember that game. Yeah. They got two touchdown passes against Marco Wilson. So if Marco Wilson, let's say he does come back, if he's rusty, you don't think Sean McVay is going to go straight at the rookie? Absolutely. They already did it on Monday night the last time they played. Well, let's let's also not get it confused. I mean, we're also talking about a really good passing offense with some good weapons. I mean, I, I don't care if the Cardinals were 100% healthy. You know, you might have some issues there. You're, you're going to – this is a game, I think, ultimately that will – it does come down to the cornerbacks, but you have to get pressure on Matthew Stafford. you got to make him – make some bad decisions. He's got like nine interceptions in his last – uh, whatever it is, six games or whatever, whatever I heard. And it's seven in the last three games. Okay, so he's turning the ball over. Now, can you make that work? Can you, as an offense, turn those turnovers into touchdowns? Cardinals haven't always done that necessarily of late. Um, do you have enough health? I mean, I, I think it's awesome for this team to have gone to L.A. early in the season and won that game, but you look at the pieces that they had in that game and who they do not have right now. They may not have Watt. They definitely don't have DeAndre Hopkins. 
We're not sure about either of their top two running backs. They're going to have their offensive line. That's good. So, uh, you know, we don't know what's happening in the secondary. I just – there's, well, there's, there's reasons to be worried. Look, uh, here's your next level analysis. Hey, Paul, check out the quarterback stats from the first two meetings. Okay, Felipe, here we go. Game one, Cardinals win big, 37-20. It wasn't even that close because they had a garbage touchdown at the very end within a minute to play. Yeah. Matthew Stafford in that game, two touchdowns and a pick and a passer rating of 89.5. Next time they played, Matthew Stafford in a win by the Rams. It did go down to the very end, albeit Stafford three touchdowns, no picks, and his passer rating was 139. Whereas Kyler in the first meeting, two touchdowns, no picks, passer rating to 120. In the rematch, Kyler, zero touchdowns, two picks, flipped those two stats, and his passer rating was measly 72. So if you're all about, heck, you could flip that and say, if you're all about the defensive passer rating against, right, which is telling a lot of ways. If you look at the top 10 defenses passer rating against, you're typically going to get eight of the top 10 teams in the league, in the standings. And with that in mind, I mean, so to your point, how do you get there? Well, you pressure the quarterback. You get pressure on a Matthew Stafford, and, and we've seen it. He's, he will take chances, which is one of the reasons Sean McVay pulled the trigger on the trade to get rid of Jared Goff, who had become captain checkdown. He wanted someone who would take – and with his arm talent, he has the ability to be successful when he takes those chances downfield passes. In the rematch on Monday night – he was lights out. Cliff Kingsbury told us on his on his TV show this week it was probably the best game Stafford played all year against the Cardinals in that Monday night. He was putting balls into tiny slivers of windows. Everything was on target. Once again, no picks. And even though he got sacked three times in that game, he was still very, very effective. Uh, go ahead, Felipe. Uh, I was I was gonna uh, follow I, you. I, I was all I can say is that um I remember looking up the three sacks after that game and thinking, wow, they sacked him three times, did not know that. Uh, you know, the, the difference in that Monday night game. Wait a minute. I looked at the wrong one. I'm oh, sorry. Okay. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Kyler got sacked three times. Stafford got sacked. It was in the first game. Oh, no, it was. He, I'm yeah. sorry. Stafford no. did get sacked three times yeah. in the Rams win on Monday right. night. I, and I thought so, thinking back on it. But I also remember thinking, because what was that game about? Let's face it. If we if we really want to boil this down, maybe we can boil this down to one player. Okay. Total. Okay. Aaron Donald was a non-factor the first time. He was an everything factor the second yeah. time. True that. Can the Cardinals figure out a way to mitigate Aaron Donald at least to a certain extent, especially after what happened last week against Seattle? Because Aaron Donald wasn't there. And it was a talking point going into that second game, and I'm sure it pissed him off. And and from jump, he completely wrecked that game for the Cardinals. You mentioned you said that they're going to have their offensive line and that that was great. But coming off that, that loss to the Seahawks, I mean, Kyler Murray got sacked five times. So yeah. it, it questions me to think, or it makes many, me think. How many were coverage sacks, do you think? Meaning he held on to the ball. And that's I, mean, that's I, I, I would say at least two or three. And I will also say, and again, pro football focus isn't the end-all, be-all. But pro football focus liked the games from Max Garcia and Rodney Hudson and Kelvin Beecham. Hmm. Um, I forget where Pugh landed. Humphreys did not play well. I think we saw that with the eye test, and that kind of yep. showed in the pro football focus. So I don't – before we just lay it all out in the offensive line, I kind of was like, I'm not so sure it was the whole line necessarily when you factor in some of these guys did play well. And also I felt like that was 
going back to what you were saying, I felt like that game, I felt like that, just watching it with my eyes without doing a whole lot of study, that, that felt like, that felt like Kyler's worst game of the year in terms of what he was seeing down the field. I don't know if guys weren't open. I don't know if he was just he got tired of checking the ball down because I felt like checking the ball down early really helped them. I, I tell you what, I hope it wasn't. I hope it wasn't a repeat of the two years prior where a team goes with two high safeties, keeps everything underneath with zone coverages, mm-hmm. and they rush three or four, and they're able to befuddle the young quarterback. I wonder, because to me, when Kyler has struggled at times, it's against that defensive approach. When teams are willing to go man like the Cowboys, who love to play man, to me, Kyler is really effective, and he's able to see the field real well. Now, that's just a supposition by me. I don't know. That's just based on what I watch from the sideline. But I feel like he's improved dramatically against zone defenses this year. I mean, if you look at the stats, and I, I remember looking at him like the first 12 weeks of the season, and he improved dramatically in, in that regard. But at the end of the day, when it comes to Monday night's game, I just feel like it's going to come down to what quarterback plays better. Like if it's a high-scoring game, what quarterback is in a – you know, total the most touchdowns. If it's one of those games where you grind it out, it's a 17 to 14 game. What quarterback's gonna manufacture a late night, a late uh, drive in the fourth quarter to win it to put his kicker into field goal position? Because I mean, you talked about the stats in both games. I mean, they're very telling, right? Whoever played better won the game. Kyler Murray played better in the first meeting. The Cardinals won the game. Matthew Stafford played better in the second game. Obviously, the Rams won that second game. So it's going to come down to to who plays better. And a lot of it's going to fall on Kyler Murray, in my opinion, given, yeah, I know they're missing key pieces. But, I mean, you're in the playoffs. You just got to leave it all on the field. As as much as we talk about how the – secondary struggled or even how many yards rushing the Cardinals gave up last week. It is kind of funny. I mean, they took care of the ball. They won the turnover battle. Uh, They won the time of possession. If you turn two of those three super long drives into touchdowns that weren't field goals, you win the game. So you're saying red zone is the key. You know, when you really think about it, I mean, again, where do we start this season? I know I started on this podcast saying, and I've said it a billion times since then, as good as the defense has played at times, to me, this team has to win with offense and a good enough defense. And their defense wasn't good enough last week, but it wasn't so bad that you couldn't have won. I mean, the and the offense wasn't so bad that you're like, what the hell? Like, I know, I know their first half was not good, and I know a couple of those, uh, 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 the the second touchdown, the, the go ahead touchdown, the Cardinals had was all about Jalen Thompson and a turnover, which, again, that's kind of been their recipe for success. But they, they did some things, um, and I think they continued, can continue to do some things. Uh, I think the red zone, and I also think, you know, what they do on the – I mean, they, we were talking off air, Paul, where you were talking about the, the tackling left something to be desired. And I, I do think that's one of the reasons Penny got off for so many yards, not the long run because he was barely touched on that one. But, I mean, the the Rams, I didn't see what the final stats were, but I know looking at the stats right at the end of regulation of that game uh, when the 49ers came back, and Sony Michelle had 14 carries for 15 yards, and I, I want to say Hendr- or Akers had like two carries for four yards. Like they're averaging one yard a carry, the Rams were. Right. And I, I know the 49ers probably have a better defense at this point than the Cardinals, but it's not like there's some juggernaut running team. 
No, the Niners secondary really banged up. But you're right, the front seven did contain the Rams running. They basically did not get any traction running. I think they had 60 yards plus as a team rushing in that game. Um, and, you know, look, I mean, if you look at what, you know, the Cardinals did against Dallas, holding them to a season-low 45 yards rushing on 17 carries, 2.6 yards a carry, and then Seattle comes out. It's like gallows humor. You look at it, 202 yards rushing, and Rashad Penny at a buck 90 himself. We're talking as a team, 6.7 yards a carry, 8.3 yards a carry for Penny. I think we've seen – look, the rush defense has been its own roller coaster ride at the county fair all year. I mean, honestly, you know, it's been so up and down, and a lot of that is just the intensity, the urgency, the energy level. You can see it in how willing and capable guys are of tackling. Mm -hmm. So that's one of the first things I look at in every game. Paul, let, let me ask you this. You don't think the defense actually gave the offense a chance to pull away late in the third quarter? Because there is that specific three and out with about five minutes left in the third quarter right. after the defense got that stop. The Cardinals were up 24-17 at that point. They go three and out, Seahawks score right after, then another three and out, and then the Andy Lee fumble. I, I just feel like given everything, all the injuries in that Cardinals defense, they still did a pretty decent job to give the offense an opportunity to pull away and at that point you can't go back to back three and outs against Russ in that offense and there have been games there have been five games now make it six mm -hmm. games this year where the Cardinals defense has given up more than 150 yards rushing mm -hmm. and they've won at least half of those games so you're right you, you can give up rushing yards and still win games and yeah you could make a case if you wanted one single turning point in the game the botched punt by by Andy Lee you could go there you could cite red zone I mean, how do you go 19 plays, 14 plays, 14 plays, and settle for three field goals? That's incomprehensible. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure the offensive coaches started by looking at that. And, you know, and then you can look at that key three and out. I mean, there are a lot of turning points and moments to regret if you're the Cardinals that figured significantly in the loss that had nothing to do with the defense. You're absolutely right. But to me, if you're going into this Rams game, and we saw the, the second time around, Sony Michel – is not Daryl Henderson. Sony Michelle will stoke it between the tackles. He will break arm tackles. If Cam Akers is going to get some more reps, he knocked off the rust in his season debut coming off the Achilles injury in the offseason. You know, he's another tough tackle as well. But I don't think that's going to be an issue. No. I really don't because you're going to have guys flying around on Monday night football in a playoff game. I don't think that's going to be the problem. I, I think if you really want to boil it down, to your point, Darren, do the Cardinals have an answer for Aaron Donald? Do the Rams have an answer for Kyler Murray? Because they didn't the first time around at SoFi Stadium. He, he was the difference in that game. If you wanted to pick a player of the game, it was yes, Kyler Murray. agree. So uh, those, to me, are the two big X factors. Do the Rams have an answer for one? Do the Cardinals have an answer for 99? And we'll see. And, and for all the talk we've had about the Cardinals' secondary injuries, the Rams have a ton of secondary injuries right now, too. If you can hold up enough – you, you might have some shots down the field. Jalen Ramsey is still back there. You better be careful there. But otherwise. But the first time around in, in L.A., Jalen Ramsey was out there. He didn't play in the second game. They went after David Long, for example, yeah. right? David Long has since been, de uh, been uh, supplanted by uh, Dante Deon, or I think that's the guy anyway. But he's still part of that rotation. But you're right. Jordan Fuller is out for the season now. That season-ending ankle injury suffered against the Niners. He's their leading tackler, the safety. And then Taylor Rapp has been dealing with a concussion. This week, so is he going to go on Monday night? Is he going to be cleared in time for that? You're right. That secondary it, is banged up. It, it's it's a fascinating thing, and all I can think of, assuming seeds all hold, 
uh, all I can think of is that Green Bay is sitting back, getting rested, waiting for one of these two teams yep. to come to Green Bay, still banged up, beat up on each other, and we're just going to, you know, take advantage. And hopefully the Cardinals have a, have a chance. It reminds me a little bit, and we'll see what happens, Paul, but it reminds me a little bit of that, of the, of the Packers-Cardinals after the 2009 season. You had this fantastic game. The Cardinals were already a little beat up. They got even more beat up against the Packers and then went to the Saints. and On the short week. Just didn't have. Had to play the Saturday game at the Saints. And after they got the 80-yard touchdown run to Tim start the Hightower. game. <laughs> Hightower. It and, just all went to hell. And then everything. And then, well, and then they lost They lost DRC and yes. they lost Antrell Roll yes. on, like, back-to-back series. Well, uh, DRC was already hurting, so it was almost – he was he, he tried to play, but it was almost like this isn't yep. going to work, and, yep. the, and the Saints were great with Breeze, and uh, and it's going to be a short week because with a Monday night game, it's going to – if they if the Cardinals win, they're going to play the following Sunday. And and you're going to know exactly where the winner goes, who they're yes. going to play, where they're going to go, right? Yes. Which, which reminds me of 2008 – in the playoff opener against Atlanta because the winner was going to Carolina. Yep. And what I remember about that was every single Atlanta media member came in, Felipe, and they already had all their plans booked for the next week in Carolina. They had their flights booked. They had their hotels booked. Well, you had to. Yeah, I mean. But, no, but, I mean, like, they had dinner reservations already <laughs> in Carolina, in Charlotte. They're like, oh, yeah, next week. I mean, they, they gave the Cardinals zero chance of beating the Falcons true. as the, uh, quote, worst playoff team to ever enter the postseason That's in NFL true. history. But at that point, I mean, you had more talent on offense, right? Like Larry Fitzgerald put up one of the what best postseason performances yeah. yep. in, in NFL history. But but that was a team that Anquan Bolden got a touchdown catch early in that Falcons game, and then it he missed most of the Falcons game, and he sat out the Panthers game because of a hamstring injury. I mean, injuries are still happening, and that was a team, the 2008 team, until they got to the playoffs, and Edron James found himself a little bit. That was the worst rushing team in the NFL. You talk about not having balance. Yeah. The yeah. Cardinals had three 1,000-yard receivers, and they couldn't run the ball to save their lives. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, but then it was a different identity yep. in the postseason. But let's talk about the running backs right now. Yeah, that's a good segue right there, uh, Paul. What do we know about, I mean, Felipe, <laughs> this could be the Eno show. There's at least a chance based on the health Chase Edmonds, James Conner, and then Jonathan Ward, who also left the Seahawks game along with James Conner in the second half. So as of this recording, we really have no clarity on that. And everybody now, Darren, are you expecting any sort of clarity by the time we get to the weekend? Please. Of why, course why, not. Why would there be any clarity? I mean, There's Unless you see him on the practice field, that's the only thing. You well, could and, possibly and I, I do think there's a chance we'll see what they're doing out of the practice field. But in terms of whether they're going to be healthy enough to play, I don't think we know. If I had a guess right now as we record this a couple days out from okay, the first practice. Okay, let her rip. I think both those guys play. Really? I, I don't think there's any way in God's green earth mm. that those guys are going to say, unless they're hurt way worse than I think they are. Um, do I think if it was a, the regular season, might one or both sit out? Yes. Do I, I think I think, I think James Conner is going to take heaven and earth to keep him out of this game? I think. Again, this is my speculation. I don't know anything. Uh, and Chase Edmonds has been waiting this whole time to play in a playoff game. So, now, do I think they're going to be 100%? Nope. Do I think there's a chance that they could be limited? Yes. Do I think there's a chance they could get injured again while they're playing and get hurt more and it could cause problems down the road? Yeah, but the problem at this point is is there is no tomorrow. And so, what do you, unless a guy is really, really messed up, 
what are you saving them for? I mean, and if we're if we're talking about a positive, you know, spotlight on that offense in Week 18, I think it was Eno Benjamin in that fourth quarter. I mean, he came in, he averaged 4.4 yards per carry. He was a factor in the in the passing game, much to like Chase Edmonds is right when he's in the field. So, I mean, you feel good about having Eno Benjamin and him coming in with a little bit of confidence. If you give him a full work week, then you know I'm confident that. They can get him prepared. Now, is he going to produce to the level of a James Conner? Is he going to produce to the level of a Chase Edmonds? Uh, I mean, I haven't necessarily seen it. Obviously, he's been in limited opportunities, but it does give you a little bit of confidence the way he ended that that Seahawks game. Because you know what stood out to me, among other things, in that 49ers win at the Rams Mm -hmm. was that they never abandoned the run game. They got down 17-0, yet still ran it 31 times. For a buck thirty-five, and a lot of that yardage was between the tackles. It was Elijah Mitchell, who, who's a tough, hard-nosed north-south kind of guy. Will break arm tackles. We know that. Cardinals played Elijah Mitchell, that rookie, and was a heck of a draft pick for the 49ers. You know, if if we know James Conner can be that guy, we know you know Chase is underrated between the tackles. But if Eno was called upon, can he be that guy? to really lead a power running attack because we all know what happened the first time around when the Cardinals got the win in week four. They ran it 40 times for 216 yards, and they really controlled the game. And Chase Edmonds had over 100 yards. And, sure. You know, and, and that was – I think that might have been the the breakout game for James Conner in terms of scoring touchdowns, the first one real one. I, I, I just – I think that – And he did have two touchdowns in that first meeting, week four, James Conner. Yeah, I, I – so Look, I, I'm they're, just they're, if, what, what, if, if they were both 100%, I would feel way better about this game. They're not going to be, even if they both play. So I, I'm not. I don't know where to go. I think they're a better. They're a much better team when they can rely on those two guys and to have those two guys. And it's sad because what we we over the last two months we've had those guys together in one game, and it was Detroit, and they got so sideways that. It was kind of a moot point, and Connor got hurt in that game, anyways. Yeah. So, so you want to be balanced. Teams have proven the ability to beat the Rams when you run the ball and you go straight at ninety-nine and company. The Cardinals did that the first time around, but do they have the backs to do that? And then, how tempting is it to try and light up their secondary when they're running a bunch of reserves out there, safeties and corners? Is Cliff Kingsbury and Kyler Murray more inclined to start trying to light it up downfield? And then, of course, it comes back to the pass protection, as you cited, Felipe. Well, I mean, if you are going to try to light it up, you got to have better production from your trio of receivers and Christian Kirk, A.J. Green, and Anton Wesley. I mean, they had eight receptions in Week 18. I mean, uh, is Kyler Murray holding the ball more a result of the receivers not necessarily creating space and getting open, or is him is it him just overthinking it? Obviously, we're not necessarily sure, but you definitely have to have a better performance from that trio of receivers. Zach Gertz had a phenomenal game, in my opinion, but given the injuries in that secondary, you kind of have to hope that they're going to try to take fields, uh, shots down the field. That vertical game has to be present from the get-go, and I think that was the difference between that Cowboys game and that Seahawks game. You knew that the Cowboys secondary wasn't necessarily the strength uh, so you took shots down the field in the first quarter. That's not necessarily something we saw on a consistent basis. Obviously, I think Kyler Murray missed A.J. Green in that first quarter for a deep shot. But 
I mean, you just have to try to utilize as much of your talent that you have because obviously they are depleted on that side of the ball. I mean, you, you can't come out in this game and target A.J. Green nine times and only have four receptions. Mm-hmm. When A.J. Green has four catches, but it's on nine targets, you, you see the inefficiency and the lack of chemistry between Kyler and A.J. Green even at this point in the season. The other guy I'll throw out there that we haven't talked a lot about, I have no idea where he stands, Rondale Moore. Oh yeah, that's a good one. Because look I what think, Debo I think he plays. Look what Debo Samuel's done. Now I'm not putting Rondell Moore and Debo yeah, Samuel's. I'm not. A, okay. I'm not. But but if you're looking for a guy to get the ball to on the perimeter, get the ball to on some jet sweeps or maybe some quick wide receiver screens, uh, you know, sort of a Debo Samuel type role. Look what Debo did to that Rams defense keeping them on his sideline to sideline. And we know Rondell Moore with the quicks, and if he is healthy and able to break a few tackles, he could be that big play guy because it just seems like the big play has has really dried up for the Cardinals offense. Well, the other thing I like about the potential of Rondell Moore is that if you get him in space on a short pass and you do it the right way, maybe that mitigates some of what you might be missing with injured running backs or limited running yep, backs. Good point, yep. Yep. So, you know, I'm not saying you hand him the ball, and you got to be careful with the horizontal passing game because I know fans get frustrated with that, and I, I think teams in a lot of ways have figured out some of that stuff. But I, I do think that that possibility is there. And who knows, maybe you do try a deep shot once in a while to Rondale Moore. The problem with Rondale Moore deep, and I know a lot of fans are like, why? He's got all the speed. Why don't you try him deep? Why don't you try Andy Isabella deep? The reason is, is unless the guy, unless he completely beats his man and it's just in stride, you you're you're probably going to lose a jump ball with one of those guys and that's right. what you got to be careful about. Yep. Yep. It's you know it's not like throwing it to AJ Green nope. or Larry Fitzgerald in his prime where yes. if they're single covered they're still open. And they can <laughs> and they can battle for that ball. Right. I mean it's it's tough. Maybe you just get every single Kyle Shanahan game plan against the Rams and you try and figure out what Shanahan has done because he is 7 and 3 against the Rams and Sean McVay and he's 5 and 15 against the rest of the NFC West as 49ers head coach. Think about that. Now, maybe that has something to do with the fact that McVay and Shanahan were both colleagues together in Washington and then became head coaches the same year, that first year, 2017, where one took over the Niners, the other took over the Rams. But, I mean, whatever the Niners are doing against the Rams, and if you're looking for a different game plan based on the first two, I don't know how necessary change is just for the sake of change when you're playing a team for the third time. But do you guys have a sense? Because, to me, Sean McVay definitely changed things up in the rematch of Monday Night Football. What they did on offense, honestly, I'll just say it, I thought they were a step ahead of the Cardinals' defense in this scheme and getting guys open. And so whereas I thought the Cardinals definitely a step ahead of the Cowboys in that game defensively, and Dak was a little confused and they weren't able to adapt to a lot of the disguises and what they were doing pre-snap versus post-snap, I'm very curious to see how the Cardinals, the X's and O's in the scheme going against Sean McVay and what he has devised for this matchup. What's what's crazy to me is and I'm trying to think off the top of my head I mean have we have we ever seen the Cardinals play a team three times in one season not counting preseason because that did happen one time with Packers but I don't think so I don't think so I and mean. even when they did they double dipped the Packers that one year in the 2009 season uh, basically Wisenhunt didn't do anything the last week and, and basically gave up that game so that wasn't even a true test right the only time they've had they've doubled up in the playoffs to my off-the-top-of-my-head recollection, has been the Panthers in the 2008 season. That was a real competition where the Cardinals, quite frankly, I thought were the better team when they went to Carolina in the middle of the season and just 
didn't play well enough and lost. And I remember thinking that's a missed opportunity. And then, of course, came back with the crazy six turnovers of Jake DeLome in the playoffs. But that that's the only time where I've seen – and this is the first time three times in one season. That's, you know, that's a hockey series. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm looking at my notes from the rematch. After the Cardinals lost in week 14, Monday Night Football – 30-23 to 23 was the final, and according to next-gen stats, I just cut and pasted this into my notes, Matthew Stafford was 4-for-4 four four on passes thrown from outside the tackle box. Yikes. Two of his touchdowns came on that. On play action, Matthew Stafford in that game, 7-8 of eight for a buck 29 and another touchdown. So his three touchdown passes, two were outside the tackle box, another was on play action. The Cardinals' defense allowed three plays of 40-plus yards in that game. They had allowed three total coming into that week 14 matchup yeah so the rams were able to do things no opponent had done against the cardinals defense up until that point into that now point it's regular now now they have been giving up a lot of big plays well, I you're do, right i do remember going back to what you saying about stafford fitting it into tight windows i want to say it was and you had mentioned earlier marco wilson gave up a couple touchdowns one of them he was all over whoever he was, he was. i think it was yep. cup was it cup I think it was Cup yeah. at the pylon. It was the one yeah. at the pylon. And I think it might even deflect it off his yeah, forearm. When I, when yeah, when you watch the replay, it's like, yeah. how did Marco Wilson not break up that pass? Yep. And uh, so, you know, sometimes the other guy just makes plays. That's part of it, too. And you just got to kind of hope that it's not Matthew yep. Stafford's night. And you're right. <laughs> That's a far cry from what we saw against Seattle where Breon Borders – was nowhere close, or Freddie Swain was running with a lot of open field in front of him, 25 yards virtually untouched to the end zone. So I don't expect those kind of coverage breakdowns, at least you hope not, in a playoff game. But if you have a bunch of reserves in the secondary and McVay and Stafford have had that extra day to dial up some really complex stuff that you haven't seen on film before, if they're really going to introduce some new stuff, yeah, that's where my boxers start to bunge. So what would you give up, though? Would you give up, you know, so are you going to put an extra guy in the box or are you going to put Isaiah Simmons, you know, in the slot? Like, like you have to you have to give up something, right, in order to – Can't have you it have all. To, You're right. Yeah, you can't, have, you can't yep. have the best of both worlds. So what would you give up? I mean – Well, and, think, and, and Tyler Higby is back. He did not play in the last game. So if Isaiah Simmons is going to be on their playmaking tight end – that might be his assignment. You give quite Zavin, often. Do you give Zayvon Collins more snaps? Yeah. I mean, you saw how he played against the Cowboys, sure. and yeah. maybe he's in a rotation more with Marcus Golden, which you saw against Seattle. Zayvon took some of Marcus's snaps in that Seattle. Only game. a couple, though. I mean, Zayvon Collins played 19 snaps against the Cowboys. He only played eight against the really okay. Seahawks. So okay. obviously, they dialed him back already. And, and and Marcus Golden wasn't available for the Dallas game, Correct. so you know it was more out of necessity than anything else. But in coverage, to Felipe's yeah, point, that's if, true. You know, if 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 think about it, what they basically did in the second half was they got Breon Borders out of the game, and they moved Isaiah Simmons into the slot with more regularity. So if that's going to be the plan from the get-go, then maybe Zavin is your designated well, guy in the tight end, unless you get Marco Wilson back and you get cornerbacks available man I, mean, I think part of the part of that obviously had to do with the borders part and just not having bodies because kevin peterson was out the peterson thing will be fascinating to see if he's available and the one question that cliff kingsbury last week was asked about bashad Breland, the first thing he said was high football iq he's a smart guy so you hope that bodes well he can pick up you the think. system and you hope. it won't be an me waiting to happen so you so know in an ideal world you're gonna get jj watt back you're gonna get marco wilson back you're going to get Breland into the secondary. 
Uh, who who else am I missing? Am I missing anyone on that defense? Uh, well, I mean, you'll get some of the backups, like you know, the Joe Walker, the Tanner Vallejo are off. off um, you know, Jordan Phillips, maybe. Maybe. So in an ideal world, you get Phillips, Watt, Breland, and Wilson back on that defense. <laughs> and when and Jordan Phillips want to ball, well, he wants to ball. He can really ball when when he brings it. Yeah, he's a difference maker. So would a playoff game in Monday Night Football be ample motivation for Big Ninety Seven to have a big game? Because this, yeah, be <laughs> this would be the spot. This would be the spot. Put it that way, that you, you'd like to think so. I mean, and let's not forget the Cardinals in primetime. Everybody now, they're 0-3. Got to be a hater, don't you, Paul? I'm just, you know, these are all things These are all things the Cardinals need to mark down in the locker room because if we know one thing about the personality of this team this year, they respond well to a challenge, do they not? So the challenge is going to win in primetime. You haven't done that before. Going to win uh, the first ever playoff game in L.A., you know, going – I mean, you hear all the talk from, you know, about, you know, they're in a building against Sean McVay. They put that to bed. That was the impetus supposedly for the big win in week four. So if all these things – you know, you have to manufacture some of this stuff uh, at times to to really get the most out of that Ron Wolfley room. is so disappointed that you just <laughs> said that out loud. Yeah, well, uh, sorry, Wolf. It's a reality check for you. Some of us weren't born – at the bottom of a hill by a quarry or whatever the thing is. And and, and with these guys making the kind of cash they are, you know, guess what? Yeah. They're, they're 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 living pretty luxurious uh lifestyles. So sometimes you gotta you gotta give them that boot to the rear end of the tail pad, okay? <laughs> That's just the way it works. Would would you guys say that this team performs better when there's no expectation set on them? Because, I mean, if you think about the first seven weeks of the season, did anyone really think going into the season that the Cardinals were going to be the number one team in the NFL no, in the week? No, of course not. Exactly. And, um, then, and then again, in Christmas, their backs were against, were against the wall because they're coming off that terrible loss to the Lions. They didn't necessarily perform well. On Monday Night Football, did you really expect to beat Sean McVay in that, in that Rams offense again? It's, it's, mm. funny, it's funny because when you bring that up, I feel like that's like the history of this franchise whenever they're good. It is <laughs> they don't play well when the expectations are good. I They did a pretty nice job in 2015 uh, for most of it until injuries, I think, were the ones that really got them a little bit there. But but 2007, they clinched the division early. Everybody was talking about how great they were. They went to, they didn't do well. And 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 uh, and and this, it's it's a fair point to bring up. I don't know why that would be. I mean, part of the part of the thing with this team right now is, I'm like, okay, JJ Watt not playing right now, but he's got a little bit of a playoff experience. Chandler Jones got has playoff experience, but he hasn't done it in like five years because he's been here. You know, how much is Rodney Hutzman in the playoffs? AJ Green does. A, a little bit. A no, while wins. Ago. no wins. Zach no Ertz. wins. Uh, Zach Ertz, yes. Zach, yeah, he's your leader but in the clubhouse all with the your Super Bowl guy, ring. You know, your, your, your quarterback and your leader doesn't know anything about the playoffs. Yep. You're, you're arguably your best defender, Buda Baker, doesn't know anything about the playoffs. Um, you know, I, could I also say, though, that Matthew Stafford, year 13, Kyler Murray, year three, and they have one thing in common. Zero playoff wins between them. Yeah. And so, hey, how about the Rams' confidence level coming into this one? We know you don't not telling me that the Rams aren't wondering how their quarterback is going to perform under the bright lights on the big stage. I feel that's, like there's more pressure on the Rams. Oh, there's. Right? I don't think there's any question. There's more pressure mm-hmm. on the Rams. Now, I will say this: 
I do think there's pressure on the Cardinals. Most of it is resides in the state of Arizona. I don't I don't think the national narrative is going to go all in on the Cardinals if they lose this playoff game. Not at this point because they've already kind of set their 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 thoughts. And yeah, I I think the I also think the Cardinals are better set up going forward. I mean, the Rams. I don't know what that Rams roster is going to look like next year. They're going to continue to have some issues. Now, the the first day of this week would became the first day ever that Kyler Murray's contract could be addressed. Now, I, I don't see that happening anytime soon. They got playoffs to worry about. Um, but we are now in a window where before, even if Kyler Murray wanted a new contract, even if the Cardinals wanted to give him an extension, they couldn't. It was literally illegal to do under the CBA. Now that's out there. Mm. And, you know, one of the things our old friend Kyle Odegaard always used to talk about, and it's totally true, which is the best time for any team is for a great quarterback on his rookie contract. Because once he's not on that rookie contract, then you're doing a lot more juggling of your roster and your salary cap than you ever were. And the Cardinals are, that window is closing for them soon. So there is a little bit of pressure in that regard. Look, you got a Rams team that blew a 17 nothing lead against the 49ers in their home building, uh, a building that was overrun by 49er fans. I was about to say, was it at Levi's? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> when after the game, when, when Matthew Stafford says, uh, we had a hard time communicating in the second half as an offense, you were at home. So it, it, it was a bad dynamic. I am curious to see how the Red Sea travels because there were quite a few fans, and after the game, all the I fans. I believe there's tickets available. There you go. So between that, between the fact that, guess what, uh, Sean McVay had been 45-0 and when leading at the half, he's now 45-1. and And you got a team that's coming in that blew your doors off in the other game in that building earlier this year. So I'm curious about the Rams' confidence level right now. Shaken or stirred? Maybe a little bit. I mean, I am curious how they come out because if you come out and you take an early lead against the Rams, they might start stressing a little bit. I, I, I mean, those fans, they, they were Dodger fans. Last time the Cardinals went there in week four, they left in the seventh inning. I mean, they, they, were, they, were, they, were, they were out of there when the Cardinals were up 37 to 14 or whatever it was at that point. And, and look, I'll just say this, my final thought. This is my own psychoanalysis of this team this year because every team has its own identity. To me, this team is like that slacking teenager who does just enough to get an A or B grade in the class in that, you know what? Hey, I got off to a good start in the class. I know the final's coming. All I'm going to do is ace the final. I'm good, Mom. I'm good. Get off my back, parents. I don't want any. I don't want to hear about it. Eh, these little homework assignments, they only account for 3 4 5% of the grade. Who cares? I'm going to ace the final and still get an A or B. To me, that's this team. They're like, you know what? We got off to 7-0. and We got to 10-2. and And then they're like, yeah, you know what? We're good. We're good. Oh, you don't think I'm good? Okay, we went out in Dallas. And we took care of the Cowboys. They had won four in a row coming off a 50-burger. That's just a little reminder for everyone in the household to get off our back so I can go back on Instagram in my bedroom until the final <laughs> exam comes around. There was, only uh, one, there was only one game we played against a playoff team in the last four weeks, and we beat them. Everybody else didn't make the playoffs. Thank you, Darren. Thank you. You're making my case with mom and dad over here there on my go. back because I'm slacking all the way until the final exam. I mean. That's the way I see this team. I just do. I, I don't, I'm not saying it's right. 2008. <laughs> yes, it is. And and you know what? What's the common denominator? A long stretch between playoff appearances. So there's this feeling 
of accomplishment that we've already made the playoffs. And there's going to be a certain percentage of guys who think that's good enough for now. Oh, you, what, playoffs aren't good enough for you? You wanted the division title? Well, of course you want the division title because you want to play in front of your home fans and you, and you want the home field advantage, but that's not the way all players see it. They don't really care about where the game is being played, as evidenced by the 8-1 and one road record this year by the Cardinals. Look, when they've lost games, they've lost focus. That Lions game is inexplicable. The Carolina loss at home, incomprehensible. It's not – they lost those games because they lost focus. When this team has been focused – They've been arguably the best team in the league. So I'm curious what they look like Monday night. There's my rant. Can I can I give you the contrary point of that? Because when I was in school. Do we have a choice? And, and, and my parents. Right. So when I was in school and I had to get good grades to get bonuses, like bonus like money down you know, under the table, I had to get Wait, good grades. Wait, from who? Right? From wow. my parents. I'm just saying. Apparently, Felipe had an incentive-laden contract just, I don't want to cut you off, where, but wow. all I know is wow. here's my bonus that I got. Or here, here was my incentive. <laughs> Get good grades or else. <laughs> yeah, the, the grades you got are paid. See, that yeah. was it. Like, if you get good grades, we'll, we'll slide you some money. No, but, but if that's you don't, why my point is: is like yeah. I didn't. We you don't get. You want money for a grade? Your exactly. whole job is to get good grades. You don't get extra money. Okay, <laughs> so, rant's so, over. So maybe oh, that... I ran into this in youth baseball. <laughs> Kids would hit a double or triple, and they get ten bucks, twenty bucks. Oh, I'm like, no, no, no. That's I what wish. it was. There's that's no poly payout in this uh, in this household. I'm sorry. Anyway, let's go right score, ahead. If Here I we scored go. 15 wow, points against, against a rival in high school, you know, I would yeah. get a. He's got a, an NIL contract. You know, I made the playoffs with my high school team. You know, I would get an incentive from my parents. But I feel like this. I feel like the mentality should be that, right? I hope they get, you know, incentives for making the playoffs and winning in the playoffs and making it to the Super Bowl. But my assumption is they do, right? So that I, I Well, don't you care. do make more I mean, you I, get I say, It's been 6 years, so refresh my memory. Every single play in that locker room gets a bonus for each additional playoff game, right? Correct. So if you win, essentially there's you get extra money. There you go. Cuz you get you get you get a bonus for being in this round. It's the same for both teams, but if you win, you get that bonus for the next round too. Yeah. Gotcha. Exactly. And that okay. doesn't even include any incentives you might have in your personal contract about right. getting things. I want to say AJ Green is one that I was looking at that uh, you combine his certain stats with certain things and he got he gets bonuses and that's the format I, i'm of sure my family. Uh, yeah exactly you're getting 250k <laughs> i'm sure i wasn't getting 250k i just want to put that out there at least you were getting something <laughs> i'm gonna call my mom and say what the hell i mean the incentive i got was you get good grades or you'll be a bum that's what that's, yeah, a, that's exactly. what my old man used to say you know it's your choice <laughs> so, uh, so you want an allowance yeah. i'll give you an allowance yeah. i allow you to live under my roof Ooh, <laughs> wow that's uh man okay that's uh it's not bad it's um <laughs> so we had the slacking teenager the incentive plan and uh and we came full circle on uh what'll be an episode of botched uh on monday night football uh you know once again one of those one of those analogies that really just got no traction are we whatsoever. are we are you going to be awake enough after coming back from la in the middle of the night to, to podcast next, <laughs> tuesday? next tuesday uh oh yeah come on now are you kidding me i'm a veteran 20 years of those i remember the uh, east coast road games back uh, when the cardinals used to be in prime time in the east coast and you come back and do morning radio so that's true yeah it's uh thankfully this those, is nothing those days you. are done absolutely not so uh uh yeah hopefully so, hopefully we'll be talking about a short week 
And most likely, although everyone thought the Cardinals were going to Dallas for their playoff opener, that did also not materialize because the football gods are offended when you think you know the future. So they throw you a curveball. But if the Cardinals do indeed win, the overwhelming odds are they would go to Green Bay, correct? Yes. But the window is not closed for a home game, Paul. <laughs> that is true. You would need Philly to beat Tampa. You need or, Philly and to or the Niners to beat Dallas. Uh, I actually, I think you would need – you need or both. both both you need both you need both because even though they beat dallas head-to-head dallas is the higher seed because of the division so if philly beats tampa and dallas wins uh then philly would go to green bay and the cardinals would still go to dallas right and, and that's the thing. Okay, one last thought here. One bonus, It'll never end, Felipe. One, one bonus rant for Craig Grealou, who's still listening right now. Here's the deal. Okay, <laughs> you the Craig P.S. You figured all year you played in the toughest division in the NFL, correct? We all agree. Yeah. Three playoff teams, most wins of any division. Okay, choose your metric. We'll just AFC go. West fans are now yeah. officially yeah. arguing. We'll go whatever. with we'll go with NFC best. Yes. Okay, for the Cardinals division. So you're thinking, all right, man, if we get the Cowboys and this, they're residing in the NFC East, they don't know what ball is all about, or even Tampa and the NFC South, or even Green Bay, you know, and they played in the NFC North, the worst division of them all. But the luck that you end up with a team from your own division in the playoff opener. Yeah. You know, at, whereas you would – because I tell you what, if the – I fully expect the Niners to beat the Cowboys. I do. That is my expectation. I think that's going to happen. And the Cardinals and Rams, if they are in separate playoff games, I think you would have at least two NFC West teams advancing into round two of the playoffs. That's how good I think the division is. If the Niners beat the Cowboys, then you guarantee that you're not going to Green Bay. There you go. You're going to Tampa, probably. So all my buddies who still reside in the Silicon Valley and load up my phone with all these text messages about the the Niners. Eagles upset Tampa, and you got a home game. A a home game against the Niners, but a home game. And on that sort of unbridled optimism, (laughs) we leave you on Cardinals Underground, brought to you by Pacific Office Automation.